Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studio, this is Bullhagen. This is Burke. This is Burke. This is Vicker. So, and uh, Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. Should be a great show um, because before we got on, Burke said, I don't really have anything prepared. How did you word it? But you were feeling... Yeah, I'm feeling sarcastic and uh, a little cynical today, so... And that's that's our favorite Berg, I think. So, <laughs> Like most of the nation, I think, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> so everyone just calm down. We'll get a good show, all right? All right. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> what are you guys drinking? I have uh, a uh, Raz Cranberry... Uh, I want to pronounce this right. It's fancy. It's called... Uh, uh, it must be French. Uh, LaCroix? Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. I think it's LaCroix. LaCroix? Okay. <laughs> Raz Cranberry LaCroix. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah it's funny, it, but... it goes great with Hors d'Ouvres. Right. Or mm-hmm. Stella Artois. <laughs> you guys go to the, that, you know, you can get all that at the buffet. At the buffet? <laughs> That's the, at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what do you have there? You got some sort of a, I got, a massive... I, I've, uh, I've got Diet Coke. Diet Coke with a 32-ounce Diet Coke with a little bit of vanilla, because that's how I roll. Now, that, that's got a big old Pepsi logo on it, though. Yeah, I know, I can but see, it see from here. Um, the thing is, is that this guy, this at Quickstar, where you can get Diet Coke ah. and a Pepsi logo. Yeah. So it's, it's confusing, yeah. intentionally. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of confusing, well, let's get to your drink first, Vicar. What do you got there? Yeah, I've got actual Coca-Cola, like the legit stuff in the glass bottle with real sugar. Mm. Mm. I bet that tastes good. It's Pretty having Coke envy. It's it's all because of the glass bottle. Vicar, it, it's it's okay to call it a Mexican Coke. You're you're gonna have trouble there, Vicar. Yeah. You're gonna need a bottle opener, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was a twist off one or not. Not if it's from Mexico. That's true. See, he tried to be all cultured like he does this all the time. No. <laughs> no, I just can never remember which. You've been exposed, Vicar. What? To culture? <laughs> We've all, yeah. I thought I was immune. I thought I was immune to that. <laughs> and uh, you got some coffee there. I know, Berg, because we can smell it. Yeah, it is amazing. Mm. What kind of coffee is it? I don't know. My wife made it this morning, so. Oh, the best kind. Indeed. Although for Christmas I did get a Turkish coffee uh, copper pot. Wow. With uh, Turkish coffee, I, you know, like a whole bunch of the grounds and stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Great. Reminds me of the airplane movie. So, son, have you ever had Turkish coffee? Is that how it goes? <laughs> <laughs> Put the cockpit. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> uh, not exactly how that goes. No? Okay. That's, I could be mistaken. No, that's not how any of my, those jokes went. Yeah. <laughs> My my favorite is the whole drinking Surely problem thing, where he uh, he uh, he can't get the the cup of water in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of my son. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be. An, we're going to get through a lot of theology today. I can tell. So, uh, Berg, why particularly were you are you feeling this way? Well, you know, it's just the holiday doldrums, and mm-hmm. we got through a lot. And you know, I don't know, a little behind the collar. Holidays are hard as a pastor. Yeah. Because it's so much effort. Like you do all of this planning, you get all this stuff done for like Advent, and then you finally get to Christmas and you're just shot. And you're like, man, I just can't wait. Like, and it's a terrible feeling because you're like, man, I just want it to be over. And, you and, know? Yeah. And something too, because uh, you're somewhat new to the husband father thing for holidays. It's not like, the days where you can just on Christmas kind of do your own thing and you got to think more of the wife and your son and all that stuff. Well, you know, and then you run after, after you get done with church, you know, you run and see family and that's always a lot of fun. Um, it's just, but you don't have the energy that you would like. Yeah. I mean, that. it's just not as, uh, there's a lot of stresses, you know, there's the, not only the services, but also making sure all the kids do their parts for the, Christmas deal, and yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I feel the same way kind of about Easter, too. Yeah. Usually by Easter time, since I preach every day that week, uh, I'm pretty shot by the end of it. 
Although I find... That and, and don't you notice, too, like, it's always, like, right before Christmas or right before Easter. There's some, a funeral. <laughs> e- either there's a funeral or something happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. something not good. Right. You right. know? Yeah. Well, we've had our share of funerals. I had one uh, last week, well, Monday, and one last week, Monday. So, yeah, we've been going through some of that. I had one the week before Christmas. In fact, I think I preached every day that week of Christmas. Wow. Much. Yeah. Although, had... although I'm finding with myself, because um, I've been doing this quite a long time now, um, this would have been, what, my tw- 22nd, 23rd Christmas? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That At least I'm not... Uh, I don't get anxious about it. I know everything will get done. And so I do learn to enjoy it. I don't get stressed out about it. I don't know if you've noticed this, Vicar. I'm just kind of, you know, had some funerals. Okay. Yeah. Got some funerals. You know. Calm, cool, mellow, the seasoned pastor. Business as usual. You know, it's interesting. I've been reading a book, and I, I've got I've to really examine myself about this. And we're not even getting to what we want to talk about today. But, you know, um, i got to examine myself about this. Preaching is something that... Um, I think I, I need to examine in my own ministry because Martin Luther, uh, he never lost this um, awe and uh, this uh, solemn feeling that preaching was a heavy responsibility, that it was the voice of God um, when the pastor speaks from the pulpit, when he speaks God's word, you know, right? You know, when, when he speaks the truth, uh, it's, it's the voice of God uh, from the pulpit. I'm not talking about like, you know, when some crazy internet preacher gets up and says whatever the heck they want to say. What I'm saying is that we should take this as a solemn responsibility, and I I think that in my own preaching, I've kind of gotten a little bit behind the collar moment here. A pastor can get kind of, uh, um, I'm not saying that you are, (laughs) don't, 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 but a pastor can get kind of a... uh, I'm uh, walking out. In in a rut. (laughs) (laughs) A pastor can get in kind of of a rut, and and, uh, and I've seen in my own life where I'm like, yeah, okay, get that sermon done, okay, get that sermon done, okay, get that sermon done. When I'm not even really thinking about this huge responsibility, I'm not praying enough, I'm not, I'm not studying the text enough necessarily either, you know, and, and Luther, who preached like 200 sermons in a year, never lost that. And I, I, I think, well, you know, how, how does a pastor do that? I mean, I don't well, know. Yeah, actually, yeah, go I'll, I'll be honest, the one thing that it, that, that helps me with that is, is having people like 17.0 around. Yeah, sure. Because... Because if if I'm so busy telling him that his sermon needs a lot of work, and then I <laughs> mail it in, right? Well, it probably looks kind of bad, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I, He's sure. oddly quiet. Maybe he thinks I mail it in. No, I'm just worried that there was really something wrong with my last sermon. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep no. him on his toes. That's right. I don't Give know. It up. One thing that I've found that's really helped me is. This week I've I preached three days in a row. Hmm. I preached Tuesday on Hebrews ten, where I mean I, it was a very challenging text, you know, about uh, sinning deliberately hmm. and there's no more sacrifice for sin, but uh, but the fearful expectation of judgment. Hmm. So I, because on Tuesday nights I, I preached through a book of the Bible, oh, and then great. on Wednesday I we pre I preached on Epiphany, mm-hmm. on the coming of the Magi, and then today I finished up with. First Samuel uh, 31. Hmm. Um, so we finished up the first Samuel today because with chapel, I've been preaching through uh, the Bible. And uh, so it's been really interesting. And each sermon has been very different for each context I've been in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because two of those days, I maybe, if I had an outline, I mean, that was about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know how good they are, but... Um, you well, know, I'm sure, they, you know... And that's the one thing that this book that I've been reading on Luther's preaching has really driven out. You know, Luther would consider it a good sermon if Christ was presented for you. And I'm sure that you know, given your your work and and your 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 uh, your preaching style that I've witnessed, you know, you're not going to fail on that. You know, and I think that's I think that's the thing. But yeah, one one thing that that actually helps me stay fresh too is I, I handwrite them. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm they're done, they just kind of go in an unorganized pile. Mm. So if I were to revisit what I preached years past, it would be more work to actually find it than it than would. to write another one. Ah, right. <laughs> and so, 
So I can say I don't really reuse sermons. I might reuse ideas that I had in the past or that kind of thing, but but uh, you know, every Sunday there's a new set of chicken scratches up there on the pulpit for me to use. I thought it was cuneiform, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you know. Cool. Um, so, are you reading this book for uh, STM stuff or or for pleasure? Just for pleasure, just purely for pleasure. I forget who's the author, but it's it's actually from Augsburg Press, you know, Augsburg Fortress. But uh, dun dun dun. I know, I know. It's probably, <laughs> but but I, I think it's got some good things to say about the way Martin Luther handled preaching. Does it and, get into like some of the? Because that's one thing. I mean, he preached for an hour. Yeah, and like we just don't have, and I don't think he used manuscripts, right? No. I mean, they transcribed all of his sermons. Right. So right. I, I think that is one thing as preachers. I, I've, I've also been reading this book called Johnny Can't Preach. Yeah, yeah, I've read that book too. And one, th- book. one thing that he brings up is that we are really lacking this rhetorical foundation that uh, in order to organize our thoughts, to um, not just uh, inform, but also to persuade. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and since we don't actually cover a lot of that stuff, uh, or are able to organize our thoughts in that manner, I mean, our sermons are very, like, I can tell, like, if I don't have a manuscript, my sermons are a lot shorter than what, uh, uh, they probably should be. That, that's right. actually, with my funeral sermons, I actually find them to be, I tend to make them in a way that's almost persuasive, meaning... Not only am I explaining, you know, so-and-so is in Christ Jesus, but really to persuade people as why, how we know. Well, this, and, and, there, know? Well, and there's an example of, of that um, when we did the uh, um, D&D preaching, mm-hmm. because how did you start off that sermon? I don't remember. You, you asked a question, mm-hmm. right? A very—and I, I mean, that, that I thought—I mean, I thought it was a very strong start— to the sermon because it was uh, very jarring and very, uh, um, so I thought that was a very a very good way of uh, um, getting to the heart of the matter. Well, Vicar, you've so, been you were here for the last obviously two funerals. Did you get that that come across to you the persuasive gospel? I, th- I think a little more in the one than the other. Okay, I th- I, and I mean they were both different enough, but obviously the point was the same in the long run that Christ has risen and redeemed us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, we were because t- we were talking about it a little bit after with the second one, kind of how the the readings determine how you write your sermon. Right. And, if, for me, when I do funerals, um, the majority of the sermon writing actually comes in picking out the texts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that first one might have been a bit more, I got persuasive. Of sure. Th- this is, this is true. Whereas that second one was a little more reinforcing. Right, and and I think some of that comes to be with the audience. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I do know what you mean. Yes. Because there are certain funeral audiences and there are others, other funeral audiences. You know, you, you have the funeral audience of the uh, the family that's been in church their entire life. And you've got the funeral audience that where, you know, you don't see them ever, <laughs> you know, or, or they're, they're, they're not connected to any church at all. And they're just looking for somebody to to uh, do or you don't uh, know or you don't know well yeah or you, you or you know when there, you're there helping be. the family because you, you get to know them a little bit before the funeral right you know mm, right but but still you know you you can you can kind of get a feel for that you know that situation and i think you do preach differently in in each situation in those in those things and i, I do like the idea of persuading people and talking uh, i wish i could do it more often <laughs> well i mean you know like uh, um john the baptist when he's talking to the pharisees you know, he uh, anticipates their objections. And do not say to yourselves that we have Abraham for our father. For mm-hmm. I say unto you that God can raise up from the very stones children for Abraham, yeah. which not only gives you uh, anticipating objections, but it also gives you this very powerful imagery uh, going all the way back to Adam mm-hmm. and uh, the almighty power of God. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, and that, that, you know, when you preach, you, don't you always try and find... What it what it what is it that people are going to struggle with in this text, and rather side skirting it to address it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so think... so speaking about texts, we should get to the text for Sunday, right? <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> so, and we can t- see. Didn't you like that transition, Peter? 
Well done, well done. I do what I can. It's better than moving on. <laughs> I took us on a rabbit hole. But so, it was about preaching, so it's a good thing. Indeed. Which is fine, because none of you guys prepared, so <laughs> we're good. <laughs> All right, Vicar, what is the text for this coming Sunday? Okay, uh, this coming Sunday, we're doing baptism of our Lord, correct? I think most of us are, right? Yes. Okay. Okay, so that would then be Matthew three thirteen to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So, Berg, what are you preaching on? Because I'm sure you already have your sermon written. No, actually, I don't. Uh, oh. This is the second time I've looked at this text this okay. week. So. <laughs> Exciting. Um, Fresh content. Here we go. All right. So, um, I mean, one of the objections that we can uh, pull up here that uh, you might hear is John tries to prevent Jesus, and he says, um, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? And I think a lot of pastors feel this way, um, that we're not worthy. You know, who are we to mm-hmm. preach the Word of God, even to our people, to other sinners? Uh, who are we to baptize? Who are we to um, distribute uh, Christ's body and blood? I mean, when we really think about what we do, um, it is, a, it is a, an, like you've talked about with preaching, uh, it is an awesome and very heavy responsibility. And the question is, is who is sufficient for these things? Right. The Apostle and, Paul asked that question. And right? that's, that's right. also a struggle for behind-the-collar moment, I think. That is also a struggle not just for the pastor, but for the pastor's family. <laughs> yeah. You know? You know who is, We're looking at you, Peter. <laughs> who is he that he's doing this? Because <laughs> I've been known to be a knucklehead in my house. <laughs> <laughs> you too? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, it makes sense, too. Like, John is asking a very powerful question because we all have to ask the question, well, why is Jesus being baptized? What is the point of this? If we believe uh, what came before, that Jesus was conceived and born without sin, then he has nothing to confess. Uh, Mm -hmm. He has no repentance to make. So what is the point of Jesus being baptized? So one of the things that people... Some, I hear sometimes is, in a sense, the, the water that washes us clean is the water that, in a sense, placed the sin on Jesus. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's fair, um, especially with this language of fulfilling all righteousness. You know, uh, What does that mean, fulfilling all righteousness? You know, that little word, all, mm-hmm. has a lot involved in it, I think. And I think that that's one of the themes in this passage, that... You know, Jesus gets down into the same muddy water as sinners, and he becomes like a great big sponge to soak up the sins of the world so that later on John the Baptist can say, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, you know. It's, um, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, so it's kind of like, you know, when Saturday night was bath night, yeah, and then... Yeah. Uh, the last guy to get the water. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Ah. It's all muddy. <laughs> right. In a sense, he was the last one in the bathtub for us. Yep. There's your sermon, Bert. I just wrote it for you. Hey, you know. So, and we see this in the Old Testament too, right? From Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 53. He was numbered with transgressors. So that's I, that's definitely one aspect of this. But there are many more, right? Oh, right. I mean, Jesus' baptism is also his investiture. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. This is where he enters publicly into his threefold office as prophet, priest, and king. And then is immediately driven out in the wilderness to be tempted Right, the devil. Well, and up until this point, Jesus, and that's the beautiful thing, right? Jesus is obedient. Mm-hmm. Jesus is obedient. He doesn't cause a fuss. He lives in Nazareth, right? Even though he is God, even though he is the king of the Jews, since before his birth, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't uh, take these offices upon himself until it's time. Yeah. Yes. He is patient. Anointed he with... He is, right, anointed with the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And, uh, Which gives gives meaning to then uh, when Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, "Receive the Holy Spirit," or Pentecost as well, right? 
Now, I see another theme here, too, that I think is just fascinating, if you ask me. Because in the text before this text, the one we had for Second Sunday of Christmas, we have this, this little reading from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Mm-hmm. Out of Egypt I have called my son. And now here, you know, I mean, that, 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 that throws us back to the Exodus, right? You know, where, where um, the children of Israel were drawn out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And they spent 40 days or 40, 40 uh, years uh, wandering in the wilderness. And then they go through the Jordan and conquer the Holy Land uh, mm-hmm. through uh, the, the work of Joshua. Well, God working through Joshua in that way. But they didn't do it, get it done. You know, and not only that, uh, but uh, they started to worship the same gods and goddesses as the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, all the otherites. And uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, the point here is that uh, the first son failed. Well, you got a question. Go ahead. Well, that would make a great uh, top 12 list. <laughs> yeah, how, how many ites are there? Yeah, right. <laughs> One of the other ites. But yeah, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the point is, is that this first son failed, but now here comes the one son that is mm-hmm. called out of Egypt, and then uh, he comes through the Jordan River. And after he comes through the Jordan River, he does battle with sin, death, and all the power of the devil for us in our place to conquer a kingdom for us, a, a, a kingdom of the forgiveness of sins for our life and for our salvation eternally. So rejoice. It's good stuff. Right. I think that'll preach. That's what I'm going to preach on. <laughs> and, and, and then also, it's an opportunity to preach on baptism in general. Yeah, yeah, and th- that's how this specific victory gets applied right. to you. Right, because yeah. that's what Luther I, uh, uh, talked basically about Jesus' baptism. I, I actually uh, use this text to talk about uh, uh, one question that a lot of people have is what happens to miscarried babies mm. that die before mm. Christian baptism? Because I do think that that's a subject that we uh, often need to talk about, um, mm-hmm. especially since so many uh, Christian women lose their babies uh, before they're born, uh, and they don't have recourse to holy baptism. Um, and so I think, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. wonderful opportunities to talk about some of these things, these hard issues, because the thing is, is 40 years ago, people didn't talk about it. Right. That's and true. There's yeah. a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hurt out there. Right. You know, and uh, they never were able to talk about it. They were never able to bury their, their children. And um, and there are there's great hymns now you know that have been translated by Matthew Carver. That's uh, a great hymn called uh, "God Is No Captive Deity," mm. which goes through and gives all of the examples of uh, children uh, who or, or other people who have died apart from baptism and yet were still saved. Especially uh, um, David's son. I think David's son is probably the most sure. compelling case. I don't like seeing. It's another pet peeve of mine when people say the thief on the cross, mm-hmm. because the thing is, is he was probably circumcised. Probably right. Yep. I mean, so, and the fact that I wasn't going to check, but no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I the way the, that, I'll go look at the painting again. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, everybody could probably see it because they were crucified naked, right? So. Moving on. <laughs> Keep that in, Peter. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. So, oh, but do a magnet thief so, of the cross. Let me finish my thought. It's okay. the fact that well, if the we're saved by faith. The thief on the cross cross had faith. And if Jesus died and for some reason there's an earthquake and he fell off the cross and, and ran away. At some point, he probably would have been baptized. Yeah, after Jesus would have actually instituted Christian baptism. Right. See, I just I don't like people using arguments that don't actually make sense. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that Christian baptism, the baptism of Christ, had not been instituted yet. It's not instituted until Matthew 28. And, and it doesn't take into account that this man was probably a Jew. He had been circumcised according to the law of Moses, Right. I mean, really, the thing we can pull out of the thief on the cross is is that as long as you draw breath, the gate of grace is still open. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it's still possible, but don't bank on it, right? Because that's the thing is, I don't know about you guys. Here's another behind-the-collar moment. Uh, I mean, how many people have you sat at the deathbed for who are actually cognizant and can actually talk to you? It's nothing like the movies. Pretty few, yeah. I, and I mean, there are 
two cases that I have, two, in all the funerals I've done, mm-hmm. where I have been able to talk with them up until the last few hours of their life, where they've been awake, where they've been in their right mind. Um, mo- all the other ones, right? Yeah, uh, it, you it, sit, you sit for days, and they are right, and you don't actually know what they're hearing or what they're getting. Um, so that's the thing, guys. Uh, today is the day of salvation. So go to church. <laughs> Amen. You know, receive the forgiveness of sins now because there might not be. You, it, especially the way 2021 is already going. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember that Gerhard story where he was talk, where this nobleman was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, wench and drink and do all this evil th- stuff. Uh, and then right before I die, I'll, I'll call on the name of the Lord. <laughs> and uh, he's hunting and his horse rears up. And he says, the devil take you. He falls off and breaks his neck. Oh. That happens a lot more than what we... People think there's time. There's there, no time. There might not be time. And yeah. and what happens is then the heart grows cold anyways. Right. So, you know, it's like your favorite hymn. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but... Not today. I don't know. Nobody wants to go now. Nobody wants... Yeah. Yeah. Is that a Taylor Swift song? No. <laughs> I think it's uh, Toby. No, not Toby Keith. It's uh, Chesley, right? Chesney, uh, Kenny Chesney. Chesney. Ke- yep. I don't so. know. I'm. I. Yeah. You live in Iowa, don't you? you I, should... Yeah, but I, I. I listen to like. What do you listen to? I, yeah, uh, behind the collar moment. I listen to uh, uh, some uh, uh, Irish uh, uh, bands like uh, like the Hikings. Well, no, actually, the Dropkick I, I, Murphys. The Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, I guess American Irish. You know, uh, Dropkick Murphys and the uh, what's the other one? Oh, man, it's like the Dropkick Murphys. But I also, I also really enjoy listening to uh, old, uh, uh, like uh, Union and Confederate uh, war songs. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, I, I bet you didn't know we had something in common. Oh, not at all. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what makes the show great. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Got various different... Well, do we want to talk about what Bullhagen listens to? I had one music service. This is true. This is a true story. Where it used to... Um, it was on my Zune. How many of you remember Zune? I no. do remember Zune, yes. I had a Zune account for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And it would give like little awards or certificates. And it said that I had the most varied <laughs> music choices because they were... Eclectic. Eclectic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it, listeners know this. I have sometimes attention difficulties. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it makes me virtually impossible to listen to music with. Because either, once I find a song, I'll get fixated, and I will, I, I will, li- I listen to music when I write a sermon. Mm-hmm. So much so that my wife will try and guess what I've been listening to while I write my sermon by the sermon. Ah. Okay. Um, That's a fun game to play. And one time I was listening to to rap and it could anyway. Was, you was could it, tell, huh? It was like was that the Easter sermon? It might have been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, respect, man, that you tried to write an Easter rap. <laughs> I mean, sweet. By the way, for the listener, I I am working on a song, a rap song. I'm gonna hopefully debut it for our show next week. So everyone's nervous. Cool. It's got a sick beat. Gonna spit some lyrics. It'll be fine. All right. Um, where was I? Um, listening to music while writing sermons. Yeah. So either I will write, write, uh, listen to one song over and over and over again, or what I'll do is I'll listen to the first twenty seconds, and then I'll like, oh, I know how this goes, and I'll play it along my head. Okay, I'm done with that song, and I'll move it, and I'll just probably listen to a hundred songs in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> That's normal, right? I would, I don't do that yeah. any more than the average person. <laughs> Have you experienced that, Peter? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> I definitely uh have have my song fixations. There was one song I think uh I there was a Spotify awards and I had listened to it a not good amount of times, <laughs> a too many times. <laughs> and it's weird is your your children in a way inherit your tastes. Mm. 
because, for example, I, I introduced my family, my children, to the wonderful music of Cake. Anybody else listen to Cake? I can't say I have. And uh, I think my children listen to more Cake than I do, especially Jonah. Me too. All right, so moving on. I got my list over here. Yeah, have you heard the song The Distance? He's gone the distance. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah I like that song. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that was, who was that? That was, uh, uh, was that Rage Against the Machine? No, no. It was Cake. It was Cake. It was Cake. It was cake. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> who, who sung Rage Against the Machine? Rage Against the Machine is the, is the band. Oh, the band. Okay. <laughs> I thought. I do okay. like I do like Raging Against the Machine. Yeah, right, right. Speaking of Raging Against the Machine. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Well, um, we probably should talk a little bit about what's going on at the Capitol. Yeah, a little bit. Um, sad stuff. Yeah, I must admit, Vicar. If I can say this, I walked in and I saw Vicar at his desk, and he looked both puzzled and deep in thought. And, and I said, Are "You okay, Vicar?" And you said, "I don't remember exactly what you said." It, but. Whatever it was, it was half-hearted. <laughs> right. Because you you were, what you were puzzled. What, yeah. what exactly was puzzling you? So yeah, so I'm listening to the the news feed as everything's happening, with you know people storming into the Capitol building, and as someone who really likes history, I'm seeing a lot of parallels. So I'm wrestling with, what do I do? You know, as a husband, as a father, as a Christian, as someone who wants to be a pastor, and going down a few too many rabbit holes of what if, which is not always a healthy thing to do alone. Yeah, well, so this is a good place to start because this will get us into the conversation a little bit more. So when you, you play out those what-ifs, uh, 17.0, what what precisely makes you think, okay, in this environment, I'm going to be a pastor, so what about, about that scares you? Well, first of all, thinking about where I'll be because how, how I would approach this issue you know, in small town Iowa versus maybe suburban Chicago area is going to be a little different. How people are reacting to things and whether or not people are feeling, oh, this is appropriate because the government has pick what pick your poison of you know you know of a you know overreach or where it's like these people are completely evil. We need to have someone crack down on this and kind of wrestling with that Romans thirteen issue of. You know, what is the purpose of the government, and when is it appropriate for us, whether as citizens or as believers, to say, this has gone too far? You know, I think that Romans 13 issue is kind of an interesting deal, and I, I get this from uh, Pastor Michael Holman. He really thinks about this stuff quite a bit, uh, and he says that when Paul says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, he's not talking at all about legitimacy. Some of those governing authorities that were there in the Roman Empire got their position by actually killing their predecessors. And, um, you know, he's not talking about legitimacy at all there. He's saying, be subject to the governing authorities, for the authorities that are there have been established by God. You know, and so, um, however this pans out, whatever this is, I don't think it's, it's a, a good idea for Christians to... Um, uh, it's 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 a good idea for Christians to think about the fourth and the fifth commandments and to realize this rioting is wrong, and whatever comes out of it, um, you know whatever authority is set up because of it, it comes from God, even though the rioting is wrong, which is crazy, and I'm not saying do it. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. You know. Um, and, uh, yet I'm, I'm thinking that, I think that applies both in suburbia and in, and in rural Iowa. You might have to talk about it a little differently in different places, but, you know, yeah. And I, th I think too, it's all always important for us to remember, you know, we, we get what we deserve. <laughs> yep. That's right. We have, uh, and whatever a, happens is way better than what we actually deserve, right. which is suffering and death here, and an eternity in hell. Right, right. As one 
preacher once said, the goose is well marbled, or we are well marbled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty <laughs> good line. Because yeah. even, I mean, even with... <laughs> I don't ele- know said that. <laughs> even with elections, you know, that's the, the one thing about our form of government. Uh, it's someone that a good portion of the people voted for. This is what... Now, the argument is, well, did, did we really vote for this president or not? You know, um, and people still have questions about that. But at the same time, at this point... Uh, well, and I, yeah. I don't know. My biggest fear is that the church allies herself too closely to a particular political party. And Hermann Sasse, a great Lutheran teacher from Germany... Uh, he eventually ended up in Australia. Uh, he talks about this um, because we are the children of what's called the Lutheran Awakening. And uh, a lot of our synods are actually uh, actually sprung out of this great awakening that happened in Lutheranism. And one of the things that he brings up is what, what happened in Germany um, in the 1840s. Well, there was some huge civil unrest going on, which really culminated in the revolutions of 1848. Mm-hmm. And the in what he contends is that the Lutheran Church at that time allied itself too closely to the uh, Law and Order Party, right? Oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say to to the aristocracy, Law and uh, Order. Yeah. So you know, um, and I, don't get me wrong. Like I just think that we uh, we have to th- we have to talk about things theologically, um, and we have to. You know, even if even if elections were stolen, we can we can talk about these things and say with a quiet confidence and say, "Look, God is in control. These people will get what they deserve, either in this life or in the next. Um, we can live without sin uh, under this form of government. Um, we should continue to pray for our leaders um, and to be kind." I think, especially with COVID and everything else, there isn't very much grace toward one another, especially when we differ on, for example, masks or no masks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, from from behind the collar, when it comes to all that stuff, you know, as, as me, I just when it comes to like the massing, I just want everyone to to get along. <laughs> right. I hear that. I agree with you there. You know? 100%. Because it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Because you have some people who feel everyone should be wearing masks. You have some people that it's all a hoax and, you know, by wearing a mask or bending the knee to whatever the case may be. And and it's sad because people are leaving the church because of this. You know, I wish I wish people would feel as strongly about that as they do the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. Um. And uh, and then that that's the struggle that I think we all have with that because you know sometimes we're as pastors we're thrown into situations where we have to have an opinion or people really want us there there's a, a need of people you know I know I have a, a handful of people who really want me to start getting a little bit more into the political stuff and denounce this or say this or they'll like a sermon that they hear on on Facebook where where the priests really let everybody have it and they want us to do that well. According to our context, and you know, right? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just. I think we're uh, there's we. I, COVID has revealed that we, as the Christian Church, need to talk a lot more about the conscience hmm. and what a rightly ordered conscience is, because I think concupiscence. Yeah. Well, that's that's part of it, right? <laughs> um, Did you hear that song? No, I didn't hear about concupiscence. No, is that is that a is that a? Oh, he wrote a, a song. song. Oh, he wrote a song. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't listen to any. Go, of the go listen to our Christmas episode. Christmas episode has a karaoke catechesis where I sing concupiscence to the tune of Safety Dance. Okay, great. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, getting back to it, um, you know, COVID has shown that a lot of people have bad consciences, hmm. terrible consciences. Um, and they're not consciences informed by the Word of God. Um, and so people are making—people feel guilty about things that they shouldn't feel guilty about. People are trying to make them feel guilty and put them under yep. a particular right. law um, on people, either side of it. People feel people feel guilty about getting sick. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, like there's a shame and like if someone gets COVID and I've seen this. What did they do? Right. You know, right. Oh, you must not have been careful. They just lived their life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah. but the whole point is, is I think we've done a very good job about focusing on the objective means of grace mm-hmm. on preaching and baptism and the Lord's Supper. But we those things, those objective things, actually inform and change the conscience. And that is one thing I don't think in our preaching and teaching hmm. we've really engaged enough, even though our Lutheran fathers did, in that when you are feeling guilty about something that isn't a sin, um, your conscience is screwed up. Right. And it needs to be recalibrated by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I think COVID has really brought to light for us, um, and something we actually need to do better at. That uh, what does it mean when you don't actually know what to do? Well, Peeper in his dogmatics actually talks about all these things. What happens when you have a dubious conscience? Hmm. What happens? Uh, why is having a seared conscience such a bad thing? Because hmm. the Bible talks about the conscience a lot. Yeah. And the problem is, is we really don't. Right. So um, I think that's one thing as preachers and teachers, uh, hopefully when s- the dust settles on some of this and we can take more of a objective view of it, maybe we can actually start having some of these con- conversations. Right. And I, I think, I think just steadiness is the way to go rather than being overly reactive to these things. Definitely. Steadiness, consistency. Um, and, and, you know, knowing too that um, we have a constitution for a reason and that, that it's a good thing that we have one, and it's okay to support it and to... to as, and as to defend it. And to defend it, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, that that uh, anybody who is trying to, you know, to attack that is, is certainly not... Um, and and I've, yeah, I've used this as an explanation to how we look at the Word of God, too. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the Constitution, there generally are two groups, right? Wait, wait, you're saying the Constitution is the Word of God? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> no, there are two two ways that people look at the Constitution generally, right? True enough. Some will say it's a living, breathing document that you know, that kind of melds and forms to who we are now. And then you have the other group mm-hmm. that says, "No, well, the Constitution says this for these reasons." Well, when you you look at the Word of God, there's one group out there that says, "Well, it's a kind of a living, breathing document that kind of shapes into what we need it today." Um, but then you have the other group that says, well, it's the Word of God. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that kind of discussion is is very often the same kind of thing. But the Constitution, you're saying, also needs to be defended. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. In this case, for sure. I mean, always, but yeah. And that's why, you know, getting back to it, we should really just, uh, uh, when we speak to things, we we talk about them in a theological sense, always. Yeah. And this is not just pastors, but it's also lay people. Jesus is the great example for this. When a dude comes up to him and says, hey, Jesus, help with the inheritance law. Jesus says, who made you a uh, lawyer or an arbiter? Who, who made me a lawyer or an arbiter over you or something like that? Right. And then yeah. he goes on and he deals with it theologically. Beware, Beware of, of covetousness. Covetousness, yeah. yeah. Right? That... Mm-hmm. Uh, we we need to take these things and think about them uh, according to the Word of God, think about them theologically, not particularly according to their policies, right? Because the Church is a spiritual kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and to use that in the sermon, then, to actually talk about what is in the heart of mm-hmm. the listener of the sermon, mm-hmm. not what those bad people are doing outside these walls, so much as... What's in your heart, yeah. What... what well, how has sin manifested itself in you along the way? Mm-hmm. So, and even like w- the question, "What shall we do now?" Right? They ask this question of John the Baptist, right? And we don't say, "Well, law question, can't do it," mm. right? Right. But right, John actually responds to them uh, and shows them what good works is according to the law. Right? If you have two coats, give one away. Right. If you are a soldier, don't uh, intimidate people and be content with your pay. Um, 
Same thing with the tax collectors, right? He, he deals with them according to their stations in life. Right. And uh, this is the same thing for a Christian, that not every good work, and in fact, I don't think, well, I'll even say this, no, no two good works are going to be the same, uh, because we occupy different stations in life, even for pastors. Mm-hmm. I mean, our sermons are going to be different, the amount of time we put into it is going to be different, um, and we do that according to our lights and according to our abilities. Um, nevertheless, they're good works, even though they look very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, great, good. So, shall we continue? We haven't done really a segment yet, and I know that that bothers our producer when we. Oh, it's been one long segment of awesomeness. No, not at all, not at all. You guys do you. Okay, so we uh, started last time. Was it last time talking yep. about uh, oratatio. Uh, meditatio and tentatio. I gave a general overview, and I know you listened to that, uh, Bert. Yeah. So chime <laughs> in at any time. Sure, sure. Oh, so, yeah. Anfechtung. What, what, what was your favorite part? <laughs> the, the part where you talked about uh, meditatio. <laughs> oh. So I gave a general overview of that. And yeah, we did what it is and nothing else. Yes. We just did what it is. So I am now taking each one. It looks like Vicar has the same article that I kind of use for mine. Um, but uh, um, so I have moved on then to Oratatio, and I have a what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. Hey, uh, Peter, play the intro. What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. All right, so I'm at or uh, oratio, which means what? Bigger? What does oratio mean? Prayer. Prayer. So in this context, okay, uh, this is not just general prayer, okay? This is, uh, I think Luther talks about it as praying for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so... This is what it is. What it is. Prayer informed by Scripture. So praying for the Holy Spirit, but that Holy Spirit is given through the Word of God. So when a lot of people talk about praying for the Holy Spirit, what do you think they have in mind? Probably some kind of a... um aesthetic experience of some sort, uh, some kind of a holiness, Mm -hmm. um, or a uh, Pentecostalism, uh, where uh, basically you you feel something. Kind of like when when a a pastor will preach and he'll say, well, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me, as as if the Holy Spirit cannot work through careful study of the Word of God. Right, right. Or, or you know, something... Yeah, right, exactly. Okay, put your hand on the radio, or put your... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So it, it is praying for the Holy Spirit given by the Word of God. Yeah. And and th- that's the thing, too. I mean, this this is something that's extra nos, right? It, it comes from outside of us. It's not something that comes from inside of us, right? This uh, this gift of the Holy Spirit from the Word of God. It's I'm, you're, you're going to talk about that. I'm sorry. You're you're go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. No. You're fine. You're fine. Well, I just you know, I jump in and talk. And uh, <laughs> what it is also, <laughs> it is an understanding that without the Holy Spirit, uh, it remains not real theology. It's just theory without any reality. And and so when you think of what it means, remember this is. Uh, about being a theologian, this understanding. Theology and faith really go hand in hand, which is something that maybe the listener, the people in the pew would say, of course it does. But, you know, when you deepen, go into the scholarly works of many academics, theology and faith do not always go hand in hand. Well, and I thought uh, your buddy Chris Christie... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, or Chris. I know the Chris, governor. Yes, Chris. 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 <laughs> Chris Christian. Yes. Pastor. Yeah, pastor from, from, from uh, just him. Uh, Christian Church in Port Berlin. Yep, Oklahoma. What exit number is that? 
I believe it's 158. 158, right, right, right. And, you know, he he doesn't think that those two go together. Uh, how so? Right? I'll because, ask him. I'll ask yeah, him. you'll have to ask him and, you know. I'll ask him, do, do theology and faith, because that's a good point, because in his uh, explanation, well, we can't, it's just about Jesus. We don't need to be bogged down with theology. Right. Uh, but also, there's a lot of, people may not realize this, there's a lot of commentaries on books of the Bible written by people who don't actually believe in God. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That, that might be surprising to some listeners. It's true. You know, and they're actually pretty good Greek and Hebrew scholars. Mm-hmm. But they don't actually believe it's the Word of God. And so that's the modern deal. Um, but can you think of examples in the Bible that uh, of where uh, you have people who are students of the Bible and yet they don't uh, they don't understand the Pharisees? Pharisees, for example, right? Right, where where they don't necessarily because they reject Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is another one. And uh, what is it? Second Corinthians talks about uh, the veil, yeah, being over the scriptures. Yeah. That without the Holy Spirit, uh, without faith, uh, the scriptures do remain a closed book. And and so when you, we talk about this prayer, it is not just kind of a way of an outpouring of what's inside of you. It is more of praying for the Holy Spirit as you contemplate, which will be the next one, meditatio, the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like all of this comes from outside of you. It's like filling up my coffee cup here, mm-hmm. right? You go from empty to full. Uh, and this is what the Bible teaches, right? That we shall be taught by God. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. And a good example of this, not too long ago, you talked about praying the catechism, mm-hmm. where you actually pray for the things and being mindful of what we learn in the catechism and uh, making including that in prayer. And I think, too— uh, the Christian, even though he has the Holy Spirit and has faith, always prays for more of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, because there are a lot of things in the Bible that uh, we don't understand, and I think God does that to keep us humble and to keep seeking His grace. So, so in other words, uh, I guess we can we can go to the what it isn't aspect. Yep. Okay, what it ain't. This understanding of prayer in oratio, meditatio, and tentatio is not a praying for the Holy Spirit in a we-just manner. <laughs> yeah, we just want to praise you. We just want to... <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, so what it isn't, okay? It is not us climbing into heaven and using our wisdom, understanding, or even our experience to encounter God, because it is... From the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Okay? What it isn't, it is also not a method of spiritual exegesis. Mm. Vicar, what is exegesis? I mean, it literally means reading out of. So it, when we're looking at the Bible, most specifically, it's I read the Bible and I see what it teaches, and that informs and founds what I understand. Instead of I have an idea and I'm going to go look for it. Right. So in other words, what what I mean by spiritual exegesis would be, um, you know, we just ask that, uh, you know, that you give me special, extra special insight mm. into <laughs> this text. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Yeah. And then I think about one. my time in the Bapt- Babylonian captivity. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, that, that, that passage gets um, eisegeted all the time, right? That's the other thing. Uh, that that's the the uh, um, the the counterpart or the the bad thing uh, that you do with the Bible. You can you exegete the Bible. That's good. You read out what it says. But if you eisegete, you're reading into it what you want to be there, and that's that's wrong. <laughs> well, and we just celebrated Epiphany. So, what might people read into Matthew chapter two? Oh, well, let me think. Yeah. Uh... Oh yeah, right. Exactly with Herod and and bad government and okay, bad government. But also, <laughs> how about three kings? Oh sure, right. I mean, the text doesn't actually say that there were three of them. Three of them. It just and says that there one were three was, gifts. And I will, you know, I will say this: there probably wasn't a black guy. 
there either. Because if they're from the east, they're probably from Persia, Persia, Mm -hmm. and Babylon. Mm -hmm. Right? These guys didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, so there's a lot. And then they're at the manger when the text clearly says that they're in a house. A house. So every time you sing, we three kings of Orient are, the only part of that that's actually... uh, accurate is like the orient part <laughs> and and orient in the old use of it which is the near east right right my, my favorite version of that is tried to smoke a rubber cigar anyway forget it forget it sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right so what it is is praying for the holy spirit that god would grant enlightenment through the word through an external word Rather than some sort of an experiential or he grants me whatever, the Holy Spirit, because the word speaks for itself, understanding the word itself is what you're asking for. Right. And not just, <laughs> maybe you're getting to this. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. So don't pray for guidance and then open at random and then point. Yes. Okay. Unless unless you're doing a one-verse Bible study for a podcast. <laughs> Where, you know, like... Spin the wheel. We never, we never claimed. Wait a minute. It, we, we Didn't just, we just do that for D&D preaching? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a dice. Oh, well, right, right, exactly. But the thing okay. is, is, like, we're not, uh, uh, we're not actually, like... So if I were, like, uh, okay, to use the D&D, right? Mm-hmm. If I was looking for guidance in that, and then I point to ripping open the babies in Gilead, mm-hmm. that's not telling me to go and uh, sign up in an abortion clinic. Right. right. You, right, you know right. what I mean? And it's not, you're not saying, well, this happened because God wanted me to read that verse. Right, or right, like right. when Judas hangs himself. Right, right. You, you, know, know? you flip the Bible. <laughs> Judas went yeah. out and hung himself. Oh, dear, that's terrible. Let's let's find another one. Go and do that likewise. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or like those little daily... Calendars where it's a Bible verse, yeah. and, it's, and it's oh, it's the it's Luke chapter was it three or four where it's the devil tempting Jesus. I'll give you whatever you want as long as you bow down and worship me. Oh yeah, right <laughs> there you go. Context matters. <laughs> so I guess like so if people are doing this right when they're doing oratio when they're praying, I mean, what would your well, recommend- well first of all I would say this is when you pray in this way, it becomes a very selfless act. It becomes, I don't have special wisdom. There's a humility in saying, your word is greater than my own will and idea, and you send, and the only way I can understand it is in faith is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So send your Holy Spirit, inform me what your word says, and uh, help me, you know, from that point, that I may believe it. Right. Believe your word. Um and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Amen. Right. And that's a difference in it becoming about me, my will, my ideas, you know. You know, it is a way of informing you to be open. And this is something that's all over God's word that we've lost, you know. Uh, Berg, you like to talk about the things that we need to do more. Uh, I think with the, the political thing, everyone already has their ideas formed, it seems like. No one comes into church a lot of well, a lot of people do, but having a mind frame of, I am going to change. God's word is going to maybe even change what I think about things, and to be open, to be changed by the word of God, to change your opinion, to change what you think, as opposed to uh, what Paul says to Timothy, giving people what their itching ears desire to hear, and that I think that plays a part into this. Is is to in a, a humble way to be informed by God's word and desire that word to actually change you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like to think about it in terms of the Miranda Lambert song, "Baggage Claim." Right, <laughs> a lot of people bring their baggage to the text when really we just need to drop it off and forget about it. Mm. We actually have to be emptied. There you go. Um, or it's like that uh, Russian comedian, right? In Soviet Russia, man doesn't break the law. The law breaks you. And yeah, well, you know, was that uh, Yakov Shmirnov? Yeah, and uh, yeah, the but well, and it's the same way with the Bible, right? We don't interpret the Bible, but the the Bible actually interprets you, us, yeah. right? Yeah. 
And like, in America, what is it? I love America because in America you can always find a party. In Russia, the party always finds you. <laughs> yep. Which is becoming our reality. Yep. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the last last one, what it isn't, what it ain't, excuse me, I should get the title of my own segment, right? Uh, it ain't a means of grace. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, it, it, it is, it isn't like the Lord's Supper. Right. Receiving where God promised there, I am with you. He has promised to hear our prayers, though. Right. You know, that's important. You know, that's important, you know. But what you're saying is um, that prayer does not give the forgiveness of sins. Right. You know, it's not one of those ways that God has given us of receiving the forgiveness of sins. Right. Yeah. Uh, the the sacraments or the means of grace is how God serves us, right? Right. Prayer is actually a sacrifice, and mm-hmm. it is our sacrifice to God, and uh, it, it can only be done in faith. Right. Like, God doesn't—well, God does hear the prayers of the unbelieving people. He just hates it. Right. It's kind of like uh, another story. <laughs> So a bunch of people get on a boat, and there's uh, a big storm, and everybody starts praying, and this rake, who's just just evil, man, he starts praying, too. The captain slaps him and says, stop praying. Do you want him to hear you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I put Jonah in a different perspective a little bit. I don't know. Anyway, very good. (laughs) So. So what it could be. What it could be. Um, Well, it makes... This understanding uh, makes theologians into students, humble students of Scripture, like I explained earlier, that uh, it, it, um, it teaches us to actually be hearers of the Word of God. Um, and it's some, another thing that it, it could be, and, it, and something we must never take for granted, is that um, theologians uh, are made theologians really in faith. And uh, who actually believe in the Word of God, um, because there's, a, like I mentioned earlier, people people don't always realize how many theologians, quote unquote, don't even believe in the existence of God, um, and uh, and so what it could be, I, I, to kind of close this out, I kind of point to uh, um, Acts two forty two. And Peter, you actually may know this in song version that I made up. I'll, I'll sing the first couple of words and see if you can finish it. Ready? They devoted themselves. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the one thing I guess, did, and maybe you talked about this, is that this prayer is a daily thing. Too, yes. right? You did, yeah. Because I think that's very important for the hearers. Like, this should be a daily exercise of your faith. That, uh, And when uh, I talk about theologians, we all should be theologians. Not just pastors, but right. even lay people. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Anybody... <laughs> Anybody who talks about God is a theologian. Right. <laughs> they might be go. a terrible theologian, but... Right. What was uh, if you If it weren't for... Bad theology, you wouldn't have no theology at all or something like that. <laughs> so, and, and so I point to that is devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, and the praying included with that, too. Mm-hmm. So that is my segment. Next time, uh, we will talk about uh, meditatio and what that is. And there'll be some common themes there, but uh, great. Awesome. Let's wrap it up, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) Hey, Vicar, if they want to give us a question or some feedback, how do they get a hold of us? Uh, If they want to get a hold of us, they can email us, feedback at clericalerrors.org. They can find us at facebook.com slash clericalerrorspodcast. And And we're on Twitter at clerical errors p at me bro p for podcast i'm like your hype man yeah
So you want to be my hype man on my rap song? No. So thank you for listening to Clerical Errors. I'm Berg. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Bert. And I'm Vicar. Peter! Play the extra. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) 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 I thought you were pointing at me. Use it. Use it. That's it. That's it. That's 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 got to be it. May your outros be extras. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.